is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. And what they like are the bloodiest, most explicit, and violent movies that have come out in the history of filmmaking. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hello, I'm Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast. Episode 324. It is Monster Palooza 2022. And if you're listening to this at time of release and are in or will be in the LA area Friday, Saturday, Sunday, June 3rd through 5th, that's this coming weekend, that is where we will be in Pasadena, a spectacular convention that is a celebration of horror and the art of special effects, monster making, and the horror lifestyle. Over 450 exhibitors, including yours truly, a monster museum, makeup demos, celebrity guests, and more. Tickets at monsterpalooza.com. Please come up and say, hey, we'd love to hang with you. This time around, you are hanging out with two of the most compelling creative voices in cinema. Writer-director Chloe Okuno and actor Micah Monroe. Their spectacular new film, Watcher, is in theaters June 3rd and on digital June 21st. Peel back the architecture of this glorious tension piece and how the incredibly unique cadence and rhythm was orchestrated. Look into the magic of the performances and how this story will absolutely hypnotize you with its mysteries and misdirects. Episode 324 with Watchers Chloe Okuno and Micah Monroe is now slain. What's happening? They found a woman murdered in her apartment. They're saying the woman had her head cut off. A man at the movie theater followed me into the supermarket. Followed you? That's him. I need to know for myself that he's been following me. Sometimes I just look at people. Just tell me what you want me to do. I want you to believe me. I was sure that you'd see me. I heard screaming from in here, okay? Just open the door, please. Dreaming of an old pretty girl looking back at me. But no one has really noticed before. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are two returning guests to the show. She is one of the most compelling actors in cinema. There is something about her that just draws the audience in. It's powerful, persuasive, and you really fall into the emotional journey she creates in every character she plays because she is a way of attaching these characters to you and grounding every nuance in truth. It's hypnotizing to watch, and it's extraordinarily rare. It's why It Follows changed the horror genre forever and earned dozens of awards and new fans every day. She takes bold risks that leave us breathless, working with the Oscar-winning Sofia Coppola, Neil Jordan, Adam Wingard's mesmerizing action thriller The Guest, Shia LaBeouf's acclaimed Honey Boy, Villains, or most recently the absolute 
absolutely exhilarating. The Stranger that broke new ground in terms of the mechanics of film narrative and is one of our favorites of the past decade. The variety of her projects is a testament to the depth of her talent and her unwavering commitment to storytelling. Also here with us, the most exciting new voice in the genre. In 2014, her short film Slut earned eight prizes, including the prestigious Franklin J. Schaffner Fellow Award from the American Film Institute. Just this past year, her segment Storm Drain in VHS 94 was clearly a fan favorite, ending in an unforgettable conclusion and giving us a new iconic character. Her contribution was a massive part in the film being the most popular ever on the Shutter streaming platform. She continues to show such a fearless range in building worlds of all sorts that are rich, visceral, immaculately thought out, and impeccably designed to deliver a shock to our imagination. It is that unpredictability and the mastery of playing with the unexpected that makes her joyously dangerous. Her latest wonderful adventure is a spectacular showpiece of all that. It's the journey of a woman who moves to Romania with her husband and becomes convinced there was a man watching her every move from the building across from her. It was the highlight of the 2022 Sundance Film Festival and it's available for you to experience should you be brave enough. In theaters on June 3rd and digital June 21st, it's called Watcher. We are honored to welcome back its director, Chloe Okuno, and its star, Micah Monroe. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah, that was a that was an incredible introduction. I've been hanging out with you guys more often. <laughs> right. Well, well deserved, of course, and it's it's so great yeah. to speak with both of you. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us, and congrats on Watcher. What is this part of the process like for you guys? The press and the creative byproducts of of reliving the journey of making the film over and over again. What are some of the things people are saying that maybe have surprised you or things that have reinforced or validated even the tiniest decisions that you've made along the way in making this film? <laughs> um, Micah, do you have any, any <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It, I feel like it's really always, press is really fun when you're really proud of the movie that you made and it makes the whole process so much more enjoyable. And so I don't know, I'm just, I'm so excited talking to all these people that are just like in love with this movie and really connect with it. And that always just is the best feeling. And that's why we do what we do. And so I don't know, it's been, it's been pretty incredible just like, hearing all the response to this film. It was just this tiny movie that we made in Romania in the, the heat of the pandemic and like that it that so many people are loving it um, just really means the world to me. So it's been it's been quite cool. And Chloe, how about you? What's your take on all this? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Um, that was so lovely. <laughs> and I feel the same way. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been amazing to see the response. It, I like doing press because it means, A, I get to hang out with Micah a little bit and we get to talk about the movie. Um, I feel like the things that people say that really, like, always, you know, hit me the hardest is when, especially young women will be like, I really feel seen by this. Um, and I feel like you're speaking to something that I experience that I don't always see in movies, or at least, like, it, it was very effective the way that you told the story. and. And yeah, like they just, they feel seen. Um, so that is always really amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm very happy that we're doing press for a movie that, you know, I'm really proud of. Uh, it would be really weird and awful to do press for a movie that you're 
<laughs> so, so the story of this film begins with a script written by Zach Ford, who wrote the original draft in, in four days. And then after four years and three options later, it finds a home with producers Roy Lee and Steven Schneider. And these people are behind the biggest horror films in history, from The Ring to Paranormal Activity, Insidious to It films, you name it. Talk a bit about its journey to your desk, Chloe, and your pitch. What elements did you elevate or add to make it your own? That's so funny. I didn't even know that Zach wrote the original draft in four days. That's amazing. That's incredibly exciting. Yeah, that's news to me. Um, yeah, so I got the script, you know, and it was kind of in a typical way. It came through um, agency, and I heard that the producers were looking to hire a director on this project watcher it was actually the watcher we've we've subsequently dropped the the and at that point you know i think i had been i had made graduated from afi i had made slut a couple years ago um so i hadn't really directed anything in a little bit and uh, i was highly motivated to get the job because i just felt like if i didn't get hired on something at that point i wasn't going to be a director which is really funny considering that it took like another five years to make it but um yeah, so I, I think I went in and I believe my pitch was, you know, I talked about sort of the references and, you know, the sort of Polanski and Fincher and De Palma of it all and how I wanted it to feel. And, you know, I talked about my experience as a woman just in the world, but specifically, I think I talked a little bit about kind of a scary experience I had had um, where there was a guy coming around uh, a relative's house when I was there. And it just really stuck with me and like the sort of fear of like feeling like someone's watching you, but not knowing definitively, like really just was terrifying. So I wanted to translate all of that into the movie. I think, I think that was the basis of my pitch. And I just, I believe that they, my, I'm convinced actually that they hired me because my pitch was like 30 pages long and they just would wow. have felt so sorry for me. <laughs> in what in what ways did you find I, I understand the original story took place in New York in what ways did you find that that move to Bucharest lit things on fire in terms of maybe new subtext or a tone to play with I mean massively it it, it really made such a huge difference and yeah the the script was set in New York for a long time or it was set in some kind of nameless city in North America and, you know, there was an aspect of Julia being from a small town um, and not being used to the big city. You know, I kind of describe it as like Gwyneth Paltrow in Seven, but it certainly wasn't as powerful a circumstance as her being in a country where she's truly an outsider and doesn't speak the language. Um, and I feel like it made such a huge, like, creative step forward when we made that change. Um, and I know even in my first uh, Zoom with Micah was something that we really, you know, both could relate to because I think we both had had that experience living abroad. And then when we were making the movie, like it, it's sort of like we were living the experience a little bit of Julia while we were there. So it just felt like it really like fed into very real um, emotions and experiences that were channeled, I think, in, into the final film. Yeah, we'll go to Micah for this one. This film really lives and dies by your Julia. So Micah, how did you find your way to Chloe? Um, I, I had um, seen her short film slot. A friend had sent it to me and just said, you, you have to watch this. This is a, a 
really cool up and coming director. And that was probably six or eight months before ever receiving um, Watcher. Um, and then, uh, yeah, my team sent, sent me an email and said, you know, cool filmmaker and I recognized the name and then they had sent me the short and I was like oh my god I've already seen this and I was just like I hope I hope I love the script and read it and just immediately um yeah felt a connection to it and 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 then I met Chloe and just yeah just hit it off and felt like I had to do it so and every yeah. character that you play, Micah, is so vastly different from the next. How did Julia challenge you? And how did Chloe nurture that experience for you? Well, I think that there was a closeness with this character that sometimes can be a little scary. <laughs> and so I think maybe that was a challenge in itself. But Chloe just makes such a safe space on set and really... Yeah, it gives you the time to like go there. And obviously there's a lot of scenes in this movie where I'm like really scared or panicked or crying. And yeah, as an actor, you just want to feel like you have a space that you're able to like really tap into something. And and yeah, Chloe just gave that to me. And it was yeah, it was really, really great. Chloe, what was it like the first time that you watched Micah become Julia? Oh my God, it was incredible. I think our first day we shot the movie theater scene. Yeah. Um, and I mean, first of all, I think even, you know, in the, the sort of rehearsal process and in our conversations leading up to the movie, I just felt like Micah creatively brought so much to the character. Like she really, her sort of ideas and taste really informed the wardrobe um, I felt like we had, you know, an, a good rapport already just as actor and director, but you still don't really know until like you show up the first day and like the camera rolls, like what it's going to be and what she's going to do. And I mean, of course she was incredible. Um, and I think the movie theater scene is actually kind of a good, I mean, it's only the beginning and it only brushes the surface, but it's still a good indication of just like the greatness of Micah as an actress and, you know, particularly, I think, in this kind of movie where it's so much about her just like without dialogue, wordlessly conveying this whole range of emotions in a way that's like really subtle, but so clear. So I was I was so thrilled. And, you know, it just it just got better. Chloe, you had an experience where you walked into a building and got scared by a man and then you brought that into the film with the man that was yelling at you to get out of the building and then you ended up casting him, which is amazing. That would totally happen to me. <laughs> like, I feel like that has happened to me before that I've gotten yelled at for something. I had no idea. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, this was sort of like the great thing about being on the ground in Bucharest shooting this movie about Bucharest was that I hadn't been to Romania before, but while I was there, I could really sort of just absorb all the experiences that were happening in real time. And sometimes they would actually inform the script. So we had a day when we were uh, location scouting um, and we were scouting 
the 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 sort of beautiful i think it was like um like an opera house or something but it's this beautiful museum like place that like julia walks through in her like red sweater and when we were scouting it um you know i'm just there my dumb american like pulling out my phone like taking photos but also it's a location scout so of course that's what i'm doing and there's this romanian security card who just like runs at me like screaming in romanian which i don't understand and it was just so sort of funny and like intense and he was so over the top (laughs) (laughs) gotta get him we gotta get him in this movie (laughs) (laughs) if we can get him to calm down first (laughs) i mean for real yeah i was sort of like please like you need to be chill when we shoot here so just come and do your thing and the funniest thing was that we cast him as the guy in this actual location who comes out and screams at her for taking photos but I feel like the first few takes, like he wasn't doing, he wasn't like channeling it. He wasn't. <laughs> Did you ever find out why he was yelling at you? Was there a no photo policy? Like, why was he yelling at you? Yeah, I guess he was saying no photographs, but I, I, he, I mean, we had organized to do this location scout. So our, our AD like cleared it all up, thankfully, but, <laughs> but he's good. He's He's very good on the movie. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he launched his acting career. <laughs> Leo, hop in with your question, man. <laughs> yeah, Chloe, there are some fantastic stalking shots on the streets of Bucharest where Julia is following the man who's watching her at some point. The cars, the buildings, the light rail train block and or frame Julia or the man she's following with perfect timing. Talk about choreographing these scenes. Oh, God, that day was hard. Um It was great because I think the way it was written in the script, it was just like, you know, Julia follows the watcher through the crowded streets of Bucharest. It wasn't much more detailed than that. So me and the DP went and scouted like this whole little neighborhood. And we sort of like, I wanted to essentially pre-shoot what the sequence was going to be. And in that sort of scout that we did, we found all these great things like the tram passing by and like this restaurant that he goes to that my production designer was like, oh, in Romania, that's a restaurant that only people who can't afford to eat go to eat. And I was like, that's such an interesting detail um, that maybe only like local people will know about. So it was really great to incorporate all of that. But the day we shot it, it was just rainy and miserable. And like poor Micah was like, you know, we were all bundled up, but she was like out in the rain, like in not like it's like sweatpants and a jacket so and yeah it was very difficult and it was just you know yeah time getting the timing of that tram thing i think we actually managed to do it in like two or three takes because we had to like we were already running very behind that day so it was very intense but that's actually you know now it's one of my favorite sequences um and um yeah i hope it was worth it micah it was (laughs) the boo crew will be right back Twitch of the Death Nerve, the first motion picture to require face-to-face warning. Every ticket holder must pass through the theater's final warning station. We must warn you face-to-face. Warning! Are you aware that Twitch of the Death Nerve contains scenes which may be the stimulus that initiates psychological shock? Warning! During scenes of intense shock, do not attempt to leave your seat. If necessary, Close your eyes, but remain seated until you have regained your composure. Warning! There are 13 periods of intense shock. 
Do not subject yourself to more than one strong reaction. Warning. Diabolical. Fiendish. Savage. You may not walk away from this one. One of the many joys of this film is that we found as viewers, it has its own unique rhythm and it's really easy to fall into it to the fact it's almost like hypnotic once you surrender yourself to it. What went into designing that experience and the cadence of the whole film? I think that, you know, from the beginning, like the things that I were looking at as references, you know, it was a lot of the sort of Polanski apartment trilogy it was this movie called Three Colors Blue. It was filmmakers who aren't afraid to sort of like do the slow burn and to have these like longer shots and to be very specific with their visual language and how they want things to cut together. And that's kind of how I'd like to work anyway. So I would say the pace was part of the design of it from the beginning. But that being said, you know, my editor, Michael Block, is really brilliant. And I think the thing was, believe it or not, this movie could have been even slower because I always want to like hold shots longer. Um, and my editor has the opposite instinct. So I think that between the two of us, because we actually have opposing tastes in some ways, I think we found like a good equilibrium um, for something that hopefully is paced deliberately, mm-hmm. we shall say. Mm-hmm. Deliberately and so. Micah, what was that like? What was the work like for you to align yourself with the emotional heartbeat of the film to be where you needed to be emotionally for this illusion to work? Who? Um, oh, I don't know. I mean, just, uh, obviously when we're, we're shooting, it's, we're not shooting in order. It's kind of all over the place. And, um, and so just being really aware of, of what was happening right before and, and where we're going after the scene that we're shooting. And yeah, just like, obviously it's an indie so you it's fast paced and we're, we're we're we have you know we only have a certain amount of takes but just being really prepared and like yeah i feel like chloe and i we had rehearsals before which was so incredibly helpful and we were so on the same page and yeah i don't know i just like would have my headphones in listen to music and then we'd be ready to shoot take it out and, and go so yeah. Was there a playlist or anything in particular that you were listening to as Julia? I, mean, I, I had like my own music. I have, I have, yeah, stuff that helps me tap into certain, certain feelings or emotions. And um, so, yeah. Very interesting. That's really <laughs> cool. The scene on yeah. the subway was a fantastic demonstration of the rhythm and power of what's at play here. And we would love to hear your perspective, Micah, on building that scene. Oh man, that, that was, it's such an intense scene. And again, like Chloe was saying, I mean, most of I'm not, I'm not speaking and it's just listening. And obviously burn is incredible. And um, yeah, I mean, he just, he just blew me away and he's so terrifying and it's so manipulative and yeah, I mean, I, I, I was lucky because I'm working off an amazing actor and it wasn't, it wasn't so hard to really kind of go there. And, 
And I think it's so powerful him just asking for this apology. Like, that's it. He's asking for me to, and I don't know, it was, yeah, it was that, that day was really intense and kind of getting to that. Yeah. That level of emotion. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It was, that was a crazy day. (laughs) What was that like from your perspective, Chloe, to watch that scene unfold? It was, it was amazing. It was, um, it was a hard day because we were in a real, um, subway car. Um, that was, I was extra nervous cause it's like COVID. So it's just a bunch of people packed into this, you know, metal tube for like 12 hours. But the thing that I loved about it is I feel like we'd actually shot a decent amount with Byrne and Micah prior to that scene. Um, but obviously we hadn't shot anything where they actually speak to each other in any way. And I wasn't even really sure what Byrne was going to do at that point. You know, like I'd, I'd seen how amazingly he like brought this physicality to his performance. And um, even without saying anything, he's, you know, incredible. But um, when he, he opened his mouth, it was just, I think that was the the moment where I was like, if this scene doesn't work, the movie doesn't work. So I felt a tremendous amount of relief. I think it's, I can safely say like my favorite scene in the movie. And it is, largely because of what Byrne and Micah are doing and how they're, you know, playing off of each other. And yeah, I, I think that day we probably did more takes than usual. It's an exhausting scene. I <laughs> really, <laughs> with a lot of dialogue and Micah, it, which is obviously hard for Byrne, but it's also Micah just having to summon all of this emotion, take after take and reacting to it. Like it's the first time which because she's incredible, she was able to do. But yeah, I think it was probably, I would say from my perspective, like for, I think for them, it seemed like it was one of the more taxing days. Mm-hmm. That plays off beautifully. Yeah, Chloe, were there any additional scenes with Byrne and Micah that didn't make the final cut? Honestly, I don't think so. Um, unless I'm forgetting something. I don't, I think that's pretty much all in there. Um I mean, there, you know, of course we might've like trimmed some things down, but um, yeah, no, it, it's funny. Like, and I think the movie is still, of course, like Julia and Francis are an important part of the movie and the dissolution of their relationship is important. But I almost, what I found in the edit a little bit, I think is that like burn as a presence and just the storyline is so powerful. And, you know, Micah's sort of response to it and her fear is so all encompassing and so absorbing. It's almost like that as a relationship really takes over. It's almost like she's, you know, like it, it's, it's, this is the relationship that it we're the most interested in now because it's the one that has the highest stakes, honestly. Um, But yeah, so I don't, I don't think that anything was cut from that. The two of them. Micah, you had such beautiful costumes and dresses in the beginning of the film. I was like, you just look amazing. Did you keep (laughs) any of the costumes? Because they looked killer. Oh, yes. Yep. Yes, I did. I kept the red sweater. Yes. Skirt. I think there's some like cool baggy cords that I wear. Kept those. Oh, yeah. I, I was I really loved the wardrobe on this. And so. Yeah, kept stuff. That's awesome. Speaking on that note, I mean, Micah, all that wardrobe really 
kind of um, emotionally caters to what Julie is going through. You notice like she's holding that bouquet of yellow flowers at the beginning that just pops and we see these bright colors. But then slowly but surely she ends up almost becoming a part of the architecture of Romania. Her color, colors of her sweatpants and jacket kind of matches what's around her. She kind of starts blending in with everything. What was that journey like for you to go and, and, you know, use wardrobe in that way? Oh, I, I love wardrobe. I think it's such an important part of a movie and uh, as an actor to like build this character. Um, so Chloe and I did, yeah, we, we talked a lot. I think before I even got to Romania, um, I had put together this kind of lookbook of um, ideas that I thought would be really cool. And then the costume designer was amazing. And, and, you know, we went through these fittings and kind of obviously wanted to start with brighter colors. You know, she exudes more of this confidence. And then slowly as the movie goes on, like you were saying, more muted colors and trying to hide, which, yeah, I think it just aids to, to Julia's arc and Julia's story. Um, there was, it was so fun working on and creating that with, with Chloe. No, sorry. I was just going to say that, like, like I had this like idea of this sort of color journey, but honestly, my ideas about wardrobe were not very interesting. And like, I feel like so much of it was Micah and like really this lookbook just clicked into place. So many things. She had so many cool references, like the red sweater look, I think was like an Anna Karina movie or something yeah. like that. Yeah. There was, like there was like Julia Roberts and like Princess Diana <laughs> photos. And it just, it had like such a, Micah herself has such a cool sense of style and I really feel like like she brought that was mostly her and like she brought some of so much of that to Julia and I really do think it made such a difference and it just sort of helped like immediately understand who this character is so I was so grateful for that if it hadn't been Micah the wardrobe would have been less good <laughs> yeah it was another character in the film for sure Leo you yeah. had a question for Micah to continue yeah I'm yeah, Micah, uh, you're in almost every frame of the film delivering a great performance as we watch the story unfold through your eyes. Working with Chloe, what was your favorite scene to shoot? Oh, man. Um, honestly, probably. Well, there were two. One was the subway scene. And I think it was so I mean, I, I think it's I say I'm sorry. But Chloe, I don't know, she gave me some notes and like, I don't remember exactly what she said, but I just like something clicked in me. And I think it was this kind of the, the, the take that we used. It was very kind of quiet. I'm sorry. And I'm like on the verge of crying. And yeah, it was something that Chloe said that just like connected with me in such a deep way. And so I, I loved that. And then also the last, the last shot of the movie, yeah. I just, it was so fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, just like getting to that place. And it's just that I just, I remember reading the script and like being obsessed with the end. I was like, this is so good. You don't need to show any more. And so I, I was, I was looking forward to shooting that. And then when we got there, it was just, it was so fulfilling as an actor and like we we shot that near the end was that lot i mean that was near the end that we shot that right felt like uh closer because like, oh, no, no. burn had to leave so we right shot so it was like in the middle ish 
It was in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but oh man, I, yeah, that that was really fun. Chloe and I just like you know we do a take and then we talk about it and try different things and so. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about a sequence yeah. that I thought was so terrifying. It was the one in the hallway uh, at the apartment building across the street from her. They're just standing in the you know a couple of different knocks at the door, right? As uh, we go to apartment thirty-eight. How did you build that scene? How do you know? Like the tension that you ride in that scene, all of you, I mean, Micah's response to what's going on down the hall and just the lingering shots. How many times people knock? It's a very interesting dance, but it it is so effective. Thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of knocking in this movie. As people it's scary, yeah. Because <laughs> I hate it when people knock on my door. I just have this immediate like, "Who is it?" Go away. Reaction. Yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, no, that scene. I think so. Th- the thing that was difficult about that scene was honestly just we were tying together so many different locations. So just sort of making that look seamless, but also I feel like I I had a lot of restrictions to the way I could shoot um, because the sort of building they enter is in one space. um, And then the elevator they enter is sort of like in another space. And then the hallway itself is a totally different location. Wow. So that was tricky, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really happy with how that scene turned out. I feel like a lot of it, you know, of course, production design plays such a big part of it. It was actually a um, abandoned women's prison that we found. And our production designer just came in and repainted the walls and changed the carpet so it matched our other exterior building location. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, so much of that scene, aside from, of course, Micah's performance is, you know, the sort of like marriage of production design, cinematography, and even sound design ended up thing I think a big part of why that scene is effective you know we tried to like find a way to subtly like make the noises in the apartment feel a little bit more dangerous when she enters in and also I think we designed it so that it goes away a little bit as she's going to the door so that's like there's like the silence of anticipation so um yeah I mean that scene I think is just everyone firing and all cylinders Wow. And then from your perspective, Micah, for a scene like that one, so much of it's sound design that's in post-production. How do you how do you get there? I don't don't know. (laughs) I mean, it's just, you know, yeah, just like having to kind of like hype myself up. Like Chloe said, we're like we're shooting a bunch of different locations. So just making sure that it all from a performance standpoint was cohesive and and kind of built upon each other. But yeah, that was that was a super fun sequence to shoot. Another beautiful shot is when we have Julia looking out through her window and uh, we're kind of looking in at her and we see the reflection of the person across the street and there's snow kind of going in front of the window or there's rain in one point. Is that VFX? Yeah, exactly. The poster behind <laughs> you there. Yeah. Is that is that a VFX shot? How did you build that shot? Was there drones? What, <laughs> what are we looking at? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Definitely not drones. So, um, Julia's apartment is a set build. Um, that really? Is all of- yes. Uh, we wanted to find a location, but uh, that, that apartment, that kind of apartment, which, you know, I wanted it to be sort of big and elegant um, so because, you know, we wanted to do these kind of compositions where she's like small within the frame and she has mobility to move around a lot. Apartments in Bucharest are small and the windows are really small. So that was a build. 
So everything that you're seeing outside of the window is either blue screen or it's a translate. Um, so actually, it wasn't that difficult to get that shot because it's a set. We just put the camera outside of the window. The, the snow is VFX. Um, and the reason we put it in there is because in the previous scene that we shot, it was not intended to be snowing, but the scene where Julia and Francis are walking down the street and discover the crime scene. Of course, it started to snow that night in April. Wow. There was like a <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mike is wearing like, look at that red on the poster. Yeah. That's yeah. Like the red that she's wearing in the freaking snow. Wow. Oh <laughs> she's my. Put a coat on her. <laughs> For the best. <laughs> well, as we get to our very last question, and it's a doozy, where did you find the little Dracula dude? <laughs> oh, you mean this one? There he is. <laughs> oh, yes. so cute. Was he yours or did you find him over there? Um, that was actually our um, our prop maker made this. Um, we looked all over the place for the right Dracula and we couldn't really find them. So he, I think actually he found a snow globe with this Dracula inside that was much smaller, but he just made like a few different replicas that were this size. Um, so that was all, that was all him. Geo. I love it. All right, you guys. Well, we're getting the wrap-up signal, so uh, we'll, we'll cut it here. But thank you so much for this extraordinary movie. We love seeing everything you guys do, and we can't wait to yes. see what's coming up next. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so, so much. All right. Well, enjoy the rest thank of the you. day, and we'll talk to you soon. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 324. Special thanks to our guests, Chloe Okuno and Micah Monroe. The time of release, Watcher, is in theaters June 3rd and on digital June 21st. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, this is Trev for the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.